0: It's been more than three years since I got an email from a woman telling me about a man named Curtis Flowers. In the time since, I'd moved to Mississippi, interviewed hundreds of people, examined every piece of evidence in the case against him. And yet, in all that time, there was one person I was never able to really talk to. Until now. So we are in the car, on our way to talk to Curtis Flowers. Believe it or not, after all this time, kind of, kind of crazy. I'm Madeline Barron, and this is the final episode of Season 2 of In the Dark. Curtis Flowers. All right. The other day, I took a drive. I can't tell you exactly where I was, but I got out and set up in a backyard with the rest of the in-the-dark crew and I waited. And then Hello. Hi. Hey, how you doing? Hi. Nice to see you. Good morning, Curtis. Doing all I wish right? I could shake your hand, but I can't because I of COVID. I understand. Yeah. Thanks mm-hmm. for coming over. How was the drive?
1: It was it was nice. Mm-hmm. It was nice.
0: We sat down in the backyard at a safe social distance. All right. Wow, we're finally talking. Yes. How does it feel?
1: Feels good. Yeah. Feels good. Mhm.
0: Are you at all nervous or? Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm kind of nervous. So, okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, we're just having a conversation. If you want to take a break at any point, take a break. Okay. If you need water, if you need snacks, if you just want water or want snacks, whatever. Yes. Um, we'll just take it slow and Okay. Yeah. So, all right. And we're outside, by the way, as we know, but I should just say it. The reason we're outside is because of COVID. Okay. So yeah. we're in a in a strange setup, but this has been a strange case.
1: So yes, it has.
0: Maybe it makes sense. Um yeah, what has it been like being out?
1: Oh my kind of overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Mm. Happy to be home?
0: I bet.
1: Yes. Kicking it with family, you know.
0: I'm not going to tell you where exactly Curtis is living now, because of concerns about his safety. But I can tell you confidently that Curtis is with people who love him and care about him. He's been spending a lot of time just hanging out, playing dominoes, exercising. He's lost weight since the last time I saw him. A friend had even bought him a treadmill. He's also been back to Winona, And he was finally able to meet his four-year-old nephew for the first time.
1: My nephew, Treel. He and I talked on the phone all the time, and I had this thing where every time he answered the phone, I said, What's up, Trill? So he had never saw my face. And uh, I remember walking into the house, he came over and uh, I hid from him. And I just yelled out, What's up, Trill? And I was peeping around the corner, of his eyes got so big because he recognized the voice, but he had never seen my face. Mm. So when I walked into the view, he just stood there and stared at me for a long time. Like shocked. Yes. And then finally he moved and came and gave me a hug. Okay,
0: because he sort of freaked out. (laughs) That is crazy then. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he was like, just couldn't know what to make of it. So much has changed since Curtis was locked up 24 years ago. And Curtis is still figuring it out. Like this one day, when Curtis used the bathroom somewhere, he couldn't figure out how to flush the toilet. Just walk away, someone told him. He's thinking, really? That's kind of rude. But then he did walk away. and To his great surprise, the toilet flushed on its own. Or take coffee, for example.
1: I remember the first time they introduced me to cold coffee. I was like, who drinks cold coffee? He said, oh, you just got to try it. So I got cold coffee, cream, creamless sugar, and fell in love with it. Now, the next time we went back, he said, you got to try the frappuccino next. I said, hold on, hold on. It, that, that's a lot of sugar. He said, you're going to love it. And I tried it. I loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and, and. It has really been exciting though. Coming home, being able to get up when you get ready, eat when you get ready, uh, lay down when you get ready. Yeah, those things have really been awesome.
0: I wanted to talk with Curtis about what his life was like before the murders, before he was arrested, back when he was just a kid growing up in Winona.
1: It was was, was real nice. Uh, I hung out with family all the time, uh, friends.
0: Yeah, what were your parents like growing up?
1: Oh, they were awesome. Yeah, I took us somewhere every summer. Uh, we, we did everything together. Cookouts, uh, family reunions. Yeah, it was fun.
0: Yeah. What did you, did you play any sports? or, or during? Basketball. Basketball.
1: hmm A little football. Uh, Mama didn't let me play long. She didn't want me to get hurt. Okay. Yeah, but she didn't, she didn't like that.
0: hmm yeah. She was worried about you getting injured.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm.
0: And so when you were growing up, like, did you have any sense of what you wanted to do with the rest of your life?
1: At the time, I, I remember uh, my friends and I used to get together and talk about what we wanted to do after uh, high school. And at the time, I wanted to be a fireman.
0: Why did you want to be a fireman?
1: I don't know. I thought it was so cool, you know, to see him rushing through town on a fire truck, going to put out a fire. Yeah. You know, as I got older, that changed and... And I just didn't know what I wanted to do then.
0: One thing Curtis told me he started doing very early on was singing. Yes,
1: well, I started singing about at the age of 10. I used to sing in my room a lot, and my dad heard me one night, and I didn't know he was outside the door. But uh, he he come in and he said, when are you going to start singing gospel? He said, you have a beautiful voice. And uh, he said, I'm not going to force you the way my dad and my uncle did me. He said, because if I make you sing, you're not gonna give me y'all. He said, but if I let you come to me when you're ready, then you'll sing. Mm-hmm. And it was about a week later and I started singing with him, going to rehearsals. And my mom, she was my big supporter. Mm-hmm. She just encouraged me on, you know. Sing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she would. Brandy, thank
2: you. Thank you.
0: For years, while reporting on this case, the only time I'd actually heard Curtis Flowers' voice was on an old recording of him as a young man, singing with a gospel group. So,
2: you're kind of, you're
0: growing up. You're hanging out, playing basketball, hanging out with friends, family. Oh, yes. Then you're in your 20s. You're staying in town, working a bunch of jobs. And then your life suddenly changes.
1: Suddenly changed. Yeah.
0: Curtis's life changed on July sixteenth, nineteen 1996, the day of the murders of four people at Tardy Furniture. On that day, shortly after the murders, police showed up at Curtis's door. Do you remember that? Yes. And what did they say?
1: uh, They wanted to talk to me downtown. Did they say why? They they didn't say until I got down there.
0: Curtis was taken to the police station and sat down with the DA's investigator, John Johnson. And John Johnson started asking Curtis questions.
1: I said, so you guys are suspecting me? No, no, we just want to make sure you are are clear of all this. We knew you used to work there, you know, for a short period of time. Nobody's accusing you of anything. We just want to, you know, talk to you briefly. Maybe you could help us. I said, well, any way I can. So I didn't think nothing of it at the time. I talked with them.
0: You didn't think to get a lawyer.
1: No, uh, I mean John Johnson made it sound sweet, you know. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: So all this is happening. John Johnson sort of describing it like, yeah. don't worry, this is just sort of clear things up. See if you can yeah, help me. That's it. Nothing to be concerned nothing about. Nothing to
1: be concerned about. And then uh, I remember leaving there. I'm talking. About I didn't even take them back home. I had to walk. Uh... I get home and uh, there's a guy up the street, he comes down, and he said, man, uh, uh, John Johnson and a couple other guys coming all through the neighborhood asking about you. Oh, really? Yeah, they said, you're a suspect. They want to know, did I know you? Or have I seen you moving about here and there? And I said, damn, they just told me I was not a suspect. And And I was, oh. To find out I was a suspect in a murder, it was just heartbreaking. Because I felt everybody knew me, you know. I said, "Not me."
0: Curtis wasn't arrested for the murders right away. In fact, months passed while John Johnson and others continued to investigate the case. I wanted to ask Curtis about that time, and about one person in particular, a man named Doyle Simpson. Doyle's dead now. I never got the chance to talk to him. But he's the guy who claimed that his gun was stolen from his car on the morning of the murders. At a certain point, Doyle had gone from being a suspect himself to being a witness for the prosecution, testifying against Curtis. It looked as though Doyle got out of being a suspect by becoming a state's witness. Curtis told me something I'd never heard before. He said, that same deal that seemed to have been offered to Doyle, according to Curtis— it had been offered to him, too.
1: And, and I remember talking with uh, uh, Robert Tompkins, used to be the sheriff. He okay. said, uh, let me tell you something. Doug is looking for someone to put this on. He said, there's no doubt in my mind, I do not believe you did this. He said, but they got Doyle where they want him because, you know, he owned the gun. Uh, he really don't have no concrete alibi about where he was. He said, but Dole, they got Doyle scared. And I think Doyle is willing to say, he believe you did it. And they would use him any, any way they can. He said, now, if you would speak and testify against Doyle Simpson, you'd be all right. I said, I cannot say that man did this. I don't know.
3: That's really interesting. He said,
1: well, he's willing to say you did it. I told him two wrongs don't make a right. That's how I was raised better than that. Mm-hmm.
0: Over the years, uh, like, did you ever look back and think maybe I should have said something about Doyle, even if it wasn't true?
1: Well, no, because I, I just, oh, I just don't think that way. Mm. Uh, I never thought of just, oh, I'm just going to say Dora did it, just so they'll leave me alone, you know. No. One of the things, uh, Daddy should always say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. I can't say he did this. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be sitting in a courtroom, looking at someone in their face and say, yeah, I believe he did it. And I don't know. I couldn't do it.
0: Months passed. Curtis moved to Texas with his girlfriend at the time. He got a job at a grocery store, and life was pretty normal. And then one day, in January of 1997, about six months after the murders, law enforcement showed up at his house.
1: I remember uh, police uh, showing up at the door. As a matter of fact, I was uh, hooking up some popcorn shrimp to take to work with me for lunch, and I answered the door, and uh, he said, "Sorry to bother you, though. I'm looking for uh, Curtis Flowers." I said, "That's me." And uh, next thing I know, I was against the wall, and uh, he told me, "He said, uh, we have no beef with you or anything like that. We we uh we just have a warrant for your arrest back in Mississippi." And I said, "For what?" And uh, he told me, and I said, "Oh, that can't be me." He said, well, uh, your name's Curtis, right? I said, that's me. <laughs> and, and they took me on down to the station. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, they were dressing me out when John Johnson, uh, Matthew, and I think his last name Miller. Oh, Wayne Miller? Miller. Yeah, when the three of them walked in.
0: John Johnson, the DA's investigator, was there. And Curtis said, so were two state investigators, Wayne Miller and Jack Matthews. And you get in the car with them, and they drive back mm-hmm. with you to Winona? Yeah. And that's like a long drive, like that's seven long hours. Drive. What was that drive like?
1: Oh, it was very quiet on my part. You know, then they're trying to strike conversation or, uh, want, you know, ask you certain things and stuff like that. And uh, he said, uh, you don't have anything to say? I said, no, I don't.
0: Mm-hmm. But they tried to, well, they were trying oh, to talk yeah. to you?
1: Mm-hmm. John hmm sat in the back seat with me.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The whole time?
1: The whole time. Wow.
0: Yeah. Trying to get you to yes. basically say, I did this. Yes, and
1: all I did was just stare out the window the whole time.
3: Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: I was so happy to see Mississippi because my neck was hurting. <laughs> it had been turned one way the whole time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and all he did was just ask questions, but I never said anything.
0: Curtis was taken to jail to await trial. What are you thinking is gonna happen at the trial?
1: They would prove my innocence.
0: They prove your innocence.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: At the end of this, they're gonna say not yeah, guilty.
1: I was, I was thinking like, surely they will see. Who it is, you know? Yeah. As you can see, that didn't work out.
0: The trial began, and Curtis told me he watched, as one witness after another got up and testified to things he said he knew weren't true, like that they'd spotted him near the furniture store that morning walking the route the D.A. Doug Evans said he took. One day at trial, in walked a guy Curtis had actually shared a cell with, a fellow inmate in the jail, a guy named Frederick Veal.
1: Veal couldn't even look at me. He said, yeah, uh, he admitted to the crimes, and I was like, oh, Lord. (laughs) I remember looking around at my mom, and she said, just be be cool. It was nerve-wracking.
0: And like what about like someone like Clemmy Fleming or any of the people who testify on the route? Like these mm-hmm. are people you grew up with. Like you would have yes. known are... them sort of or see them around?
1: Yeah, and I and I used to see Clemmy and pass as a matter of fact. They they family used to live right up to, on the next street from my mom right. and dad. Like yes. around the corner. Yes, and, and and to see her get out there, I kind of felt sorry for her because there were other people saying that she was pressured to do what she did.
0: Clemmy Fleming recanted years later in an interview with us. She said her testimony, that she saw Curtis running away from the furniture store on the morning of the murders, wasn't true. Frederick Veal and the other so-called jailhouse informants also later admitted they'd lied.
1: But uh, I just don't understand why people would just go and, and just lie like that, you know? To hear people take their witness stand and just 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 flatfoot tell a lie, you know? And there's nothing you could do about it. You can't say anything. If you do, people going to think weird of you now, you know? oh, maybe he'll look like he's lashing out. <laughs> but it, it, it was it was hard to sit there and just hear things and not be able to say anything. Right. Because
0: mm-hmm. you know people are yeah, up there lying. Yeah,
1: and you got a jury. You're already on thin rope with it, so you had to just keep your composure and, and just listen.
0: And the person calling all those lying witnesses to the stand was the prosecutor, District Attorney Doug Evans.
1: I sit in that courtroom, and... And it was like, Doug always looked over my way, and he always had a smile on his face.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and. And,
0: and Doug and, Evans would, like, look over, you'd look over, yes, and he would be, like, smiling at every time he you?
1: sat down, when he sat down, he would always have this thing where he leaned and he looked my way, and he'd just smile. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: What do you make of that?
1: Yeah, well, I, I wanted to say something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How you're talking about it, it feels like he's sort of saying, I own the place. Yes. And, and, this is and, and,
1: my place. At some point, I believed it. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, he, he gets everything he wanted, you know.
0: In that first trial, the all-white jury deliberated for one hour and six minutes before coming back with its verdict, guilty.
1: Well, it just took all the air out of me. It really did. I'm talking about I was so hurt that I was I was numb with it, you know?
0: Like you didn't see it coming.
1: I didn't see it coming at all.
0: So the jury comes back, they say guilty. Mm. Then they go, then we have sentencing. Mm -hmm. And then they come back and they say death penalty. Yes. And I wonder if you can talk to me about that moment.
1: Oh, I just, I can't even describe the feeling to you. It, It was, it was like having the air sucked out of you. You know, you can't breathe. I was, I think I I felt relieved to get out of the courtroom back to a holding cell where I could just sit for a minute. Mm -hmm. I I just couldn't believe it. And uh, I remember uh, one of the deputies said, uh, your mom want to speak with you. And he let her back there. And I said, we talked for a minute and, uh, and she told me, keep your head up, don't give up. I know it's a lie, you know it's a lie. She said, everybody know you know is one, but don't give up. I don't think it really sunk in until I got to Parson.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, what that would have been like for you. You're in your mid-twenties. You've had, you know, this life really close with your family, and all of a sudden, you're in prison. In prison. So when you got there, what do you remember that? Like, for, do you remember that first
1: day or that first night? Yes, I remember uh, going through a, a strip search. And I, said, and I and I thought that was one of the weirdest things, you know? would have someone, well, I'm gonna need you to take off all your clothing. You know? <laughs> Last time I heard that was a pretty woman, you know? But <laughs> you had to pin, cough, uh, you know? They want to check you, see any all the tattoos you got, got to be recorded. Yeah, and I later found out it's just in case an inmate runs off, you know, they could put out there what type of tattoos and everything he has. Yeah, and, but it was rough. You know, to hear those bars slam behind you and placed in a, a small cell, and every day looked like it was getting smaller and smaller, you know? Really? Yes, it was rough. It really was, you know, to hear other inmates crying out at night, you know, and Uh, So-and-so, so-and-so, I need to also also, be, I think, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so, so so-and-so done hung himself, you know? And and it it was just, uh, it was just heartbreaking.
0: Because you can hear all of this in yourself. I can hear
1: all of this. Mm -hmm. You can't see them, but you can hear them, you know? Yeah. What did Mm -hmm.
0: you saw look like?
1: Oh, like a shed. Like a shed? Yeah, there there was a a concrete bunk. There was a, a toilet. There was a, a sink, and then there was a little stand for a, a little small TV, and that was it. Mm. Yeah, then, uh, then as time went on, it just got worse and worse. You know, then the sewer system started backing up, uh, the plumbing. You know, water wouldn't go straight down. And so your
0: toilet would be backing up. Yes, into your house. Yes. No
1: air conditioning, of course. No air conditioning, but that bro. Yeah. Well, no, nothing but heat. Mm Oh, it got pretty hot in there. I'm talking about when you just sit and constantly sweat. Yeah, I said, you were just praying for rain. Because that made things a lot cooler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it was short-lived because the mosquitoes got even better after that. (laughs) Man, it was rough.
0: Yeah, your mother told me that sometimes there were even rats in the
1: prison. Oh, yes, oh, yes. You could hear them all night just running up and down the hallway. I I think I had caught so many rats on a sticky trap. I had took and put a a Ritz cracker on it and and set it at the door. And I'm telling you, I got up one morning. I know I had at least six rats on that one trap, trying to get to that cracker. Yeah, yeah. Parchment, Mississippi, yeah. It's it's just terrible over
0: there. Mm. Mm -hmm. So how did it feel to be there and to be like, I'm innocent. I don't belong here.
1: I used to say that a lot, too, and, and it became where I thought I was sounding like a broken record, you know? I said, well, you know, the inmates probably say this all the time, you know?
0: Oh, that they're innocent?
1: And, yes, and, and, and not, you know? And and
0: mm-hmm. be obviously guilty. Yes,
1: and, and I think as time went on, I learned that I couldn't help myself if I was, you know, down and, and out all the time. And, you know, and I talked to my mom a lot, you know, and I started reading a lot and got in the Word and... You know, and, and, and it gave me some sort of peace, you know. And But I, I just don't think I could have got through it without family and support, you know, always checking in on me and everything. You know, having a family that, that loved me and supported me.
0: So many people lose all of that when they're in prison for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, their friends stop being interested in them or they just get yeah. busy. Parents stop showing up, mm-hmm. you know. But that doesn't sound like it was the case for you.
1: No, it wasn't. Uh, and like I said, my mom, dad, they were always there.
0: Every two weeks we go; we don't miss a visit.
1: Even when the, the prison was on institutional lockdown, they were out there trying to get in. You know.
0: So what happened? Oh, they on lockdown. The whole thing on lockdown.
1: They never missed a visit. So you
0: came all this way for nothing? Uh huh. So you'll come back in two weeks? Uh
1: huh. There was one time we had a little ice storm, and my mom she slipped and slid on in there. Yes, and I told her, you could have stay at home. She said, No. I have to see you. Yeah. How
0: did that
1: feel? I felt great. I felt great uh, to have, because I was around a lot of death row inmates who didn't have that. You know, and I, I watched guys self destruct, you know, and uh, some, you know, get psych meds and, and can't even tell you what day it is. Yeah, they just that strung out on it. And it was saddening. Mm hmm. Yeah, I never took a, a psych drug or anything, you know?
0: I wanted yeah. to talk to you a little bit about like what it was like when your parents came to visit you in Parchman. Oh,
1: it was a bunch of laughter. Laughter. Yeah, uh, we shed tears sometimes, uh, talking about different things. Uh, but it was mostly laughter, you know? I, I never wanted to see my mom and dad unhappy or sad, so, a lot of times when I go in, I'm already joking, and and I get her to laughing, and, and the whole visit just go from there, you know. We talk about old times and things like that, and that was very, very uplifting, you know.
0: Yeah, your father talked to us a lot about how you, you would sing Jesus. together when mm-hmm. he went to visit you.
3: Say you love Jesus.
1: Yep, you love Jesus, give me peace, you know. You want to show some sign.
0: We'll be back after the break. When Curtis first went to prison, he actually didn't think he'd be there very long. He assumed that if he won his appeal, he'd be going home.
1: But you know, that first year went by, I was like, wow. I remember, there were times I talked to my mom, but I I shared to you. And she said, baby, it's going to be all right. And I remember uh, sitting there and sitting there and just waiting and hoping and praying.
0: Curtis eventually did win his first appeal, and his second, and his third. But every time, the DA, Doug Evans, just tried the case again. And Curtis told me that what this looked like for him was that when his conviction was overturned, he'd leave death row, He'd say goodbye to the inmates and the guards, basically hoping that he'd never see them again. And then he'd get taken to a local jail, where he'd wait for his next trial, where he could see his family and friends a lot more, where he had a little more freedom, a little more space, a little more hope. But then Curtis would be convicted again, and sentenced to death again, and he'd be sent right back to death row.
1: They would snatch me out, try me, would send me right back, then they try me again. But that was hurtful though.
0: Mm-hmm. Prison to jail, jail to prison, on death row, off death row, back and forth. It went on like this for so long.
1: And it, it is so sad and heartbreaking when you sit there and there's nothing you can do about it, you know? The days go by, it's been years, you know? And I just want that relief, you know? I get close to home so many times, and and, and it was like Doug M would just find out another way to put me back.
0: When you would come back then to Parchman, Did parchment seem even worse every time you came back?
1: Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Uh, And it was worse every time I came back. I think being able to talk to certain officers who were just real nice, you know. They hated to see me come back.
0: Really? That you'd come back and what would they say?
1: mm -hmm. Oh, man, I can't believe they sent you back, man. Uh, uh, You have got to get your trial out of there or something, man, because that DA is something else.
0: Another trial meant another time Curtis would watch as D.A. Doug Evans and his assistant prosecutors struck one black juror after another, always ending up with a jury that was either all-white or mostly white. Curtis told me it was obvious to him what Doug Evans was trying to do.
1: Well, I chalked it up to uh, Doug being good at dirty work, you know, because he was using those strikes to get rid of
0: them. When you look over at, like, the jury box and you see it is all-white people, what Mm -hmm. do you think?
1: We should have not even had this trial. I've thought that many times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, but I remember when having a conversation with uh, attorney, uh, Ray Charles Carter, mm-hmm. and we picked the jury once, and uh, he looked over me, and he leaned over, me, and he said, "What do you think?" I says, "Oh, before he even get started." And I said, look how they're looking at me. (laughs) Man, I said, and then I already expressed how they feel about it before, you know, and then Doug was doing this thing where, you know, he said, do you think you can set your feelings aside and base your decision on what you hear from the witness stand? You know, and it's just the way they look at him and say, yes, I can. And you know it wasn't true. But the more it went on, the worse I felt.
0: Curtis told me that he started to feel a little more hope in trials four and five. In those trials, the juries were a little more diverse. And in both of them, the jury hung. They couldn't agree on a verdict.
1: And I said, well, maybe, you know, maybe we're getting somewhere now, you know. uh, They starting to see Doug giving lies, you
0: know. But then trial six came around. And once again, Curtis was convicted, this time by a jury of 11 white people and one black person. And Curtis was sent back to death row. When you were back in prison and you kept coming back. Did you ever feel like, you know what, like, I'm just done. I'm done trying to fight this?
1: I, it crossed my mind a couple of times. But I, I always thought about family, friends, you know, and how hard my mom fought for me, you know, and stuff like that. These things kept me motivated.
0: So if you hadn't had family like that, you might have just—
1: I may have. Yeah, you yeah. know, because it was a thought a time or two. So I think if if it wasn't for them, I may have, you yeah. know, because you see it all the time, you know, and some people just give up. Mm-hmm. You see guys, I'm like I said, getting drugged by psych doctors and they encourage them to take something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just understand it because they just sleep all the time. Now, yeah. uh, you have some lash out and act up. They go in and give them a shot. You may not hear from that inmate about two days, just sleeping. I don't know what it was they were giving them in them them syringes, but, hey, hey, it was tough.
0: So all around you, people are, in no surprise, not dealing with this well at all. I mean, everybody's panicking. Mm -hmm. People are getting sedated, basically. Exactly. Just to get them through it. Oh, Because you also would see people leave to be executed, right? Exactly. And can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well... I was there doing three or four of them. I think it, the hardest part was hearing that they had set a date for an inmate, you know, and then you have to be on the same zone with them, you know, and, and this is a person you usually hear talk a lot, but they don't, you know, and and guards and nurses come around every day, leading up to that, they would give an inmate whatever he needed to calm him. Uh, I heard my next door neighbor said that they had just gave someone value. I said, I didn't even think they had those anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, to hear them, they're so calm and quiet, you know. You had some try to take their own lives because they didn't want to be executed in front of people. So they have to be taken, put in a suicide cell and strapped down in a jacket. Yeah, until that time. But it, it was... Uh, it just takes your breath away, you know, to be... That close to someone getting ready to be executed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was some who went, and you know the governor gave them a, you know, a, whatever you call it. A, oh, where you
0: commute the sentence. Mm-hmm.
1: Where they come back and they or stay the so many days. Last yes, minute. Last minute. And to see an it may come back and and be so happy, and yet a few days later they take them anyway. You know, and and I thought that was the worst part. You know you bring them back, you know, and they you know, have all this hope that things are gonna change and then still get taken up there and, and executed. Oh. And I thought that was the worst feeling. Uh, I remember hearing the inmate, not too far from me, his last request, you know, he wanted a cheeseburger, he wanted shrimp, he wanted a fried catfish, uh, a milkshake, and, and they give him all this and They took him over and they brought him back the next day. And when they come back to get him again, he said, well, just look at the bright side. You get to have what you want to eat again.
0: Did it make you think about what it would be like if this happened to you? Yes, yes. I'm
1: talking about? it stirs all kinds of emotions, you know. Here I am in here on a crime I did not commit. What did that mean next, you know?
0: So maybe we could talk a little bit, jump to the moment when we first found out about your case. Mm-hmm. And so, the way that I found out about it was a woman emailed me. Mm-hmm. She was just a random woman. Oh. Yeah, who said, There's this guy in Mississippi named Curtis Flowers mm-hmm. who's been tried six times for the same crime. Yeah. She said, You know, the evidence against him is iffy, but he didn't have a chance. Yeah. And that was pretty much it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And at first, I was like, This isn't possible. Six trials? Like, no. Like, there's <laughs> no way that someone's been tried oh, six yeah. times. And then we found out, No, it's true. hmm. And then I think a pretty short time after that, I wrote you a letter. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, do you remember yes. getting the letter?
1: Yes, I, I still have that letter. Oh. <laughs> and, and I remember uh, talking with one of the attorneys at the time. Is it okay to write back? Well, I don't, I don't think you should at this time because, you know, you don't, you don't want them to get where if you write Madeline, she could get suspended, you know, or, or judge try to have the letter taken and flip it into something that it's not, you know. So I was encouraged not to do it at the time. Mm-hmm. But I always, I always got your letters and I kept them. You kept them? Yes. It. I should talk to my mom about you. I should tell tell you hello. Okay. Yes. And, uh, and tell her I, I thank her for everything she's doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Had people gotten your hopes up in some ways before? Like, had a reporter written to you before? You know. No? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, did you have a sense of what we were doing while we were doing it? Because I wrote you a I, couple times, but I yes. never wrote to you and said, mm-hmm. I, these are the people I've talked to or this is what I'm doing." No,
1: I, I did not. I, I just knew at, at some point you guys were going around and talking to people. Mm-hmm.
0: We sent you transcripts when the podcast came mm-hmm. out. Did you get those in Yes, present? I did. Still have them. And yeah. what was it like reading those?
1: Oh, it was... It's was a great feeling inside, you know, to see all this, you know, unfolding and everything, the people you guys have talked to and people who were just willing to talk and tell everything, you know, and and I said, because we could not get that done. You well, know, I don't know what it is, or, or you guys were just so charming or whatever. <laughs> but we couldn't get it done at first, you know?
0: Because you're reading pretty, pretty big things that are happening. You know, like yes. I wonder about, you know, when you were reading and mm-hmm. The witnesses who said they saw you walking around town that morning mm-hmm. are now telling us that some of them that that story is not true. Yes, like you're sitting in your cell reading that, and what yes. What do you.
1: A lot of times I say to myself, oh, it's about time, you know, what, what took so long, but I was happy they did it, you know?
0: Oh, so you would see someone finally admit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that testimony was false. Mm-hmm. Yes, I gave it six times yes. in six different trials, and you'd think, like, come mm-hmm. on, why couldn't exactly. you? Exactly. And,
1: and I remember reading by something, some guy, I can't remember his name, said that uh, I was only saying what they wanted me to say, so they leave me alone.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It was depressing sometimes to read things like that, but then, you know, I was happy that they did come through. Yeah, uh, and I think the more things I heard about you guys, and and you know, the episodes that they come out, it, it, it really brightened my day, you know? <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, to hear all the, the stuff that was going on, you know, and, and people recanting their stories and stuff like that, you know? And, and I, oh, what took so long? <laughs> but it really made me feel good to have you guys investigating this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so when you're reading these transcripts, do you remember, are there like a couple moments that stood out to you? in Particular things we found out, or
1: uh, I think the biggest thing that, that really stood out to me right away is when I saw uh, that Odell had done turn against Doug and told the truth.
0: For years, he up telling me he killed some people, hell no, he never told me that. That was a lie,
1: and I was like, How did Melanie even get in touch with him? <laughs> this well, list was, was going through my head, mm-hmm. you know.
0: That was and, Samara, but yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. because he'd stuck by that. Yes, and now, you knew it wasn't true, but that yes. doesn't there's a big difference between knowing it's not true and exactly. getting him to say it.
1: And 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 I think uh, I was uh always frustrated about Odell because I, I felt that Doug would take somebody like Odell and just get whatever he wanted from him. And to hear that he recanted his story. I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm.
0: So when you're sitting in there in your cell and you're reading this, mm-hmm. do you call someone or do you, what yes, do you do? Uh, I even talk with Angela. <laughs> Angela is one of Curtis's sisters.
1: No, she said, and, and her word, boy, just know things are going good out here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh, they are uncovering stuff. She said, uh, at the time, she said, "I don't know where them come from, but I'm glad they're here." <laughs> yeah, I said, "No, but yeah, things things really started to pick up for me, you know, and I could breathe a lot easier, yeah, and so and I just kept talking with family and just just waited, you know. And, and my mom used to always say, "You don't come this far, you cannot give up now." Mm-hmm. She said, "Don't roll over and then take whatever they throwing at you, you know, don't settle." Mm -hmm. And I just kept fighting, kept fighting.
0: Yeah, Uh, at a certain point, you probably started getting a lot of mail, right? Oh, yes.
1: Especially after you guys got started and started putting the episodes out there. The the mail just started ringing in. Like
0: how much mail are you talking
1: about? Oh, I'm talking 10, 14 letters a day. Sometimes more. And and sometimes I would go through them. There was some... (laughs) I said, well, I'm gonna hold off to tomorrow and read these. Uh, But it was just so much mail, you know, it can get overwhelming sometimes.
0: Yeah, your mom actually talked to me about this and Mm -hmm. said that she gave you some advice, like, because you were a little stressed almost about the amount of mail. Yes, And she said she told you, like, Curtis, you don't have to write everyone back.
1: Yes, and I told her, I said, I'm doing nothing, so I may as well,
0: you know. What were people saying in the letters?
1: Oh, they had heard about the case through, uh, in the dark, and uh, they can't believe I was still locked up and, and, They're praying for me. Uh, um, If you just need someone to talk to, I'm always here. Please write me. Or if you want to call, put my number on your list. And I got so many of those that I couldn't put them on. I can only have 10 numbers at a time. And so I just write them down in my address book and I just held on to them.
0: So you went from a lot of isolation. Mm -hmm. You're still in prison at this point, but all of a sudden people all around the country and I think also all around the world in some mm-hmm. cases, are yes. aware of your case, or writing exactly. to you. Yeah, what did yeah. that feel like?
1: It felt great. Well, I was getting postcards and letters from all the way over in the Netherlands and everything. Ah.
0: Then people started sending photos, hundreds of photos.
1: I remember one time they did a, a shakedown, and officer told me, he said, you have too many photos in this room. He said, don't you know you're only allowed 35 at a time, and uh, he said when you, every time you get pictures, you have to pick out the 35 you want and get rid of the rest or put them in storage. Uh, a lieutenant walked in behind him. He said, well, they keep it so well organized, just let them have
0: them. So these are all See, photos that yeah. people sent you? Watch phone, yeah. Yes. Curtis saved all those photos. This person wrote the back, the revolution will be mailed. And showed them to me. Hashtag black letters matter. they are pictures of families, Pictures of smiling babies. Pictures of people's vacations.
1: This one female sent me a picture from Hawaii. She just wrote in the sand, Aloha Curtis.
0: (laughs) Someone sent you a photo from Harry Potter World. Yes. Uh, I just look at all
1: these bright pictures, you know, and I find myself just drifting off into them, you know.
0: (laughs) What's this about? (laughs) Good (laughs) eating. People even sent pictures of their dinners. Like
1: cheeseburger corn on the cob with some type of cheese or something on it.
0: When you're in prison, is that the sort of photo that you want or not? It sure look
1: good looking at it at the time, you know? If you're in a place like that for so long, you love seeing different food, you know? Good food. Mm -hmm.
0: So this is the stuff that you had to kind of take your mind off things?
1: Well, but it was nice to receive, you know?
0: Were starting to look up for Curtis but then his mother, the person Curtis was closest to, started not feeling so well
1: you know she was in pain and everything and, and she came to see me
0: she came to see you right yes, and
1: she kept getting up going to the bathroom and I said, "What's wrong with you?" and uh, she told me she was in a lot of pain you know and and I said, "Well why did you come over here she said I just had to see you again and I go. You know? And, uh, the following week she passed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just completely, she came over there feeling like that, you know?
0: She was feeling really sick.
1: Yes. And, and I remember she told me when she got ready to leave, she said, when I leave here, I'm going to the hospital. And the following week, she passed away.
0: Did you get to say goodbye?
1: No, I didn't. Yeah. I talked to her the night before and I told her, I said, well, I'll call you in the morning, see how you doing. But when I called, Angela answered on her phone and she told me she had passed away.
0: So
1: your sister told you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a sad moment. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I pretended that it was my turn to go to the shower because I didn't want her to hear me, you know?
0: You told your sister, I've got to go.
1: Yeah, they, they the officer at my door, he would take me to the shower. And I just didn't want her to hear me crying or nothing. Why? Because they were going through enough as it is, you know? And to know that I was there, upset, crying, then they're just worrying about me now. So yeah, I got off the phone with her and Got it out, and she and I eventually started talking again. And uh, she said, Where you been all day? I just couldn't talk to him right then. Yeah, I couldn't. Because everybody was so sad, you know, and it was raw. It it was raw. Yeah.
3: Mm hmm.
1: All right, let me get through this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Cause I get emotional, you know.
0: Oh well, it's normal, though, yes, right?
1: Yes, and, and you know. Uh, hmm.
0: And I imagine a lot of what you were thinking about being yeah. out was about being with your mom.
1: Hmm. Yes, and I miss her, you know. Sitting around in the kitchen talking teaching me all these good things, you know, all these good recipes. and
0: Yeah, she told us she was collecting. You would send her yeah, recipes and she would collect yeah, them the, for you? these
1: are things I, I want to try. And, and if I see it, I would cut it out and just mail it to her and tell her to put it up for me. Yes, yeah. All the good cooking. Yes, and, and just talking and, you know, because I could talk to my mom about anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. There were so yeah. many times when we would be over... At your parents' house, and she would get a call from you and kind of go in the other room. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like you were having conversations all the time.
1: Oh, yes. I talk with my mom just about every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She would get upset if I didn't call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I told her there's phone bills, you know, so I try not to call every day. Mm-hmm. She said, You let me worry about that. Okay. Yeah. I said, so we talked all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes twice a day. Yeah. Yeah, and her passing, all oh, it took a lot out of me. It really did. Yeah, my mom, she's my rock.
0: Lola Flowers told me again and again that she was certain that one day her son Curtis would be free. God gonna work this thing out. I do believe. Might not be when we
1: want to, but he gonna do. Curtis
0: coming out. But she didn't live to see it happen. She'd been gone 4 months when Curtis's story made headlines around the country because the US Supreme Court had agreed to take the case. A few months later, they reversed his conviction. Curtis packed up his cell and got ready to leave death row.
1: And uh, one of the officers told him, you're not coming back this time. I can just feel it. And if you do, I'm putting you in a hole. (laughs) And I said, well, I hope I don't come back this time. And uh, they they walked me out and everything. I'm talking about carrying my bags. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said, a lot of them happy to see me go.
0: On his way out, Curtis stopped by the hospital wing to pick up his insulin medication. They handed it to him in a plastic bag.
1: One of the nurses, she had wrote on it with a black magic marker, put on there, "Uh, this is our last time seeing you here. Hmm. She said, I know you're going home. But
0: Curtis still wasn't free. He was still under indictment for the murders. Still locked up in a local jail, waiting for his next hearing. The hearing that would decide whether he'd be granted bail.
1: I think the closer the bill hearing got, the more nervous I got. And I said, "I've been I've been this close many times, you know, and they have to go right back, you know. Hopefully, uh, they get it right this time." And I remember getting to the county jail, and there were officers, lieutenants, uh, chief of security, and uh, we talked. And he said, "Man, let me tell you something. I know a lot of them, and I, I know I got a chance to know Loper. Loper's done a 360 since probably the last time you saw him in the courtroom." Mm-hmm. He said, and I really don't believe they're gonna try you again.
0: So the guards told you that the yes. judge had changed his mind.
1: He said, I really believe Lopez is gonna change his mind.
0: So when you went to the bail hearing, which is the first time we were in the same mm-hmm. room together, you were you knew that already.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't know. No, I was not for sure.
0: Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. You've but been I through it so many times that exactly. how could you possibly be for sure until it's until mm-hmm. you see it in writing or, yes. or hear it from the judge. Exactly. Yeah, but you kind of I, were I, I thinking maybe? believed it. I hoped it, you know, and
1: it wasn't until we would come back out of the recess and Loper just started talking and as he went on and on and on. And, uh, and uh, when he started Doug to say to some bad things about Doug,
3: by the court, the state of Mississippi will reap the whirlwind.
1: I said, oh, this might work. This may, He may just give it to me.
3: Consequently, as the finding of this court that Mr. Flowers is entitled to bail...
1: They granted me bail and oh. I didn't even know how to act. <laughs> yeah, and so I get back to that county jail, and, and I just pranced back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and and eventually told me, "All right, flowers, get all your stuff, come out." And I was so happy. That was a good moment right there.
0: Mm-hmm. And what was that like when you walked out of jail?
1: Oh, it was it was it was uh, it was real fun and and exciting until I turned it being and I saw all the cameras and stuff. I said, "Oh, they didn't even warn me about this." <laughs> And uh, Rob was behind and said, you're going to do good. I said, I don't know now. Then my sisters, you know, they were on each arm, and, man, that really helped.
3: How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Are you feeling right now?
1: I feel good right now. I'm, I'm happy. I'm out. Or what are you looking forward to now that you're out? Spending time with family. Yeah, and uh, talking with Miss Madeline soon.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: A real fun moment. And I think the funnest part of that is when we pulled out of the parking lot at the jail... I was changing clothes in the back of the truck. Yeah, and my and my baby sister, she was like this, I can't believe you're changing clothes right now. <laughs> I see, yeah, I gotta put on something comfortable. Yeah, it was, but it, it was real fun. Got to the house and you know, and they had the fish fried, and mm-hmm. and we just we just had fun half the night. And uh I see, I'll be ready in the morning. Ready and to I, leave. hmm Yeah. I, I I left one on the. You know, because I, I, I saw a lot of people in Winona who, you know, supported me and everything. But, you know, everybody don't feel that way. I just can't help but assume that. Yeah, and so I just feel, you know, it's, I shouldn't have to worry about anything, you know? So I left and decided to just move away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I told my dad I would pop back in from time to time and visit. Yeah, but on is not somewhere I would just want to go and hang out.
0: And how
1: come? Well, just, just to be safe. And, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to have my family wear it, stuff like that. Uh, so I just decided just to move away.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Curtis left Winona, and then he waited until...
3: After nearly 23 years in prison, Curtis Flowers
0: tonight is a free man. All charges have been dropped. Mississippi Attorney General... It was finally over. And from that point on, for the first time in decades, Curtis's life was truly his own. He could do what he wanted, go where he wanted. He went back to Winona for a few weeks, visited his father.
1: We sit on the porch every day, just talk all day long, and just watch the traffic go up and down the highway. (laughs) We sing a few songs together. Yeah, and we just laugh and talk, and hang out in the yard, hanging out with family.
0: Then Curtis left again, went back to the safe place he's staying now, the place where he's figuring out what his new life will look like. So when you look back at all of this, 23 years, six mm-hmm. trials, why do you think all this happened?
1: To this day, I I I still wonder about that. I often think about all that I've been through, you know, and and it's it's sad, you know. Still a lot of people that uh, I'm disappointed in, but uh, I find that if I sit around and stress over this and that, it only just makes it worse, you know. So I just try to. Let it go.
0: The prosecutor, Doug Evans, he's still the district attorney. Yes. Is there anything that you would want to say to Doug Evans?
1: No. No. <laughs> Just be honest about that. No, I wouldn't. How come? Uh, there's some things you you don't. Just don't need to be said, you know. Uh what's understood is understood. I, I feel that Doug was wrong. He knew he was wrong. But as far as a conversation, no. Mm-hmm.
0: When you picture your life like five, ten years from now, what do mm-hmm. you see?
1: Uh. I hope to see Curtis up and doing a lot better, you know. Moving on in life, and maybe this nice house, you know, and and getting married, and nice family, you know. Mhm. Yeah. Probably be doing a lot of this.
0: A lot of this interviewing business. Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: But yeah, just just want to do better, you know.
0: Mhm.
1: Getting on up there and age, so I need to find out where Curtis want to be and, and just try to live life, you know? So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Well, I wish you the best.
1: And I thank you. I thank you.
0: so much for taking so much time mm-hmm. to talk with us about a lot of really hard things yeah really appreciate it you guys are, you all so well
2: uh, been looking forward to it
0: me too yeah. all right take it easy curtis all right you all do okay thank you so I much to seeing you all again yeah same yeah. bye thank you
1: It worked out. Here I am.
0: 24 years later.
1: 24 years later, here I am. I don't even know if I could do this. It's been a minute. <sighs>
2: I've had some good days, I've had some hills to climb, I've had some weary days, and some lonely nights, but when I look around, and... I think things over All of my Good days I weigh my Bad days And I I won't Complain I've had Some good days I've had Some hills to climb I've had Some weary days and some sleepless nights. But when I look around and I think things over, all of my good days outweigh my bad days. And I, I won't complain. How's that? It was all
3: right.
2: It's been a minute.
1: Yes, but I try.
0: We have a lot more on our website, inthedarkpodcast.org. That's also where you can find all kinds of information about the case, about the power of prosecutors, about how jury selection works. So if you haven't checked it out yet, please do. In the Dark is reported and produced by me, Madeline Barron, Managing Producer Samara Freemark, Producer Natalie Jablonski, Associate Producer Raymond Tungakar and reporter Parker Yesko. Our data reporter is Will Kraft. This series was edited by Katherine Winter. The editor-in-chief of APM Reports is Chris Worthington. This episode was mixed by Corey Shreppel. Original music for this series by Gary Meister and Johnny Vince Evans. Photography for this series by Ben Depp. Videography for this episode by Robbie Flores. Transcription for this episode by Alondra Sierra. And a special thank you to Lauren Humpert. And to all of you who've listened and supported our work over so many years, thank you.